So I haven't listened to this segment that uh, Debbie Bridge is talking about, that growth can come from both pain and suffering. I agree with her. Uh, this whole topic of pain and suffering is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about and working through myself. So I'll comment. You go ahead and listen to what Debbie has to say here in response to, I think, Jennifer. Uh, and Debbie had a really interesting segment on it. I hope she turns it into... Um, into um, an episode so we can listen to it later but it's a really good thread going conversation going on here so give it a listen and then i'll comment afterwards so debbie bridge brings up this point about pain and difference between pain and suffering and it started me thinking and reminded me of the journey that i've been on well all of us are on this pain and suffering journey and you go what nobody i remember i gave a talk at the Center for Spiritual Living in Red Deer, and I, and I quoted Buddha. Uh, Buddha said, life is suffering. And you could literally hear the gasps in the audience when I said that. Life is suffering. And, and I even got some verbal feedback about, about the fact that I was talking about suffering. That's not something you want to talk about. And yet I think it's something that we all have experienced. It's something we have all experienced. It's something we all experience in our own suffering in our lives either at the hands of others or at our own hand at, at our own hands and self-inflicted suffering through our thoughts and the way that we act and the way we treat ourselves and the way we treat others <clears throat> but i guess you know my you know that fundamental teaching of buddha life is suffering to to, to live he's basically saying to live is to suffer just to get through life, we we suffer because it's mostly our reactions to life. My reactions to the people around me, my reactions to the things that happen to me, my reaction to my, self, my own self-judgment or toxic thoughts or negativity towards myself. All of All of that is fundamentally destructive but it's not talked about a lot we don't like talking about it nobody wants to admit that they have said we have self-destructive uh, uh, self uh, or really violent tendencies and it's the other point that Debbie Bridge made is that victims are violent people you know it seems like an oxymoron to kind of say that but if you think about it when I, if I'm a victim and I'm I've met some people and there have been different times in my life I was a, like a professional victim. I, you know, the, this was wrong with the world, this was wrong with so-and-so, uh, you know, the businesses I worked for, they were wrong about this. And, you know, they're making me do all this work. I shouldn't have to do this. doesn't make sense. I made myself into a victim. There's so many ways we get into this victim state of mind, victim self-talk. And here's the thing. When <clears throat> my fundamental way I deal with it is I is I I drop all that stuff and I, and I do what I can to get present because if I can be present when I'm present I can't be so I can't be a victim you know I, I suppose I could work really you know if I I could work really hard at thinking about being a victim but if I'm thinking about being a victim I'm not present I'm not enjoying the present moment I'm not being present with myself and I'm totally wrapped up in whatever 
experience. A, a victim uh, uh, perspective is a past perspective. It's not a now perspective. It's not a future perspective. So this is a very complex topic, this whole idea of pain and suffering. We all suffer, have pain. We all have suffering in our lives. We all cope with it differently. Or we, in a lot of ways, we can, we can cope with it by denying that we have pain and suffering or the fact that we create our own pain and suffering. Nobody wants to talk about and look at that. However, a sense of freedom and liberation is around, right around the corner from my recognition of the fact that I create my, I am always the creator of my pain and suffering. Because, just because somebody does something to me, they did their thing. They did whatever that was to be mean or whatever. My reaction to it is what creates the pain. My reaction to it is what causes the suffering, which causes me to feel less than. And, and, and I create a net negative energy in my life. If I didn't react that way, I wouldn't feel that same, that pain and suffering. I would go, oh, that person is upset. That person is in a, in a, is in a really difficult spot right now. But if I have a painful, uh, when I get into victim mode, I'm causing my own pain and suffering. So I'm interested, uh, yeah, I'm interested in what you guys think of this. Great stuff, Debbie. Hey, Debbie, I just wanted to compliment you on this series around pain and suffering and how I feel like you're really getting into a groove and really creating a really healthy safe space for people to hear what you have to say and <clears throat> to be able to really feel into it and experience the, these topics that you these very important topics that you're you're sharing with people and so I just really appreciate the the, the, the genuineness and the authenticity and the transparency that you're showing up with is truly remarkable. And that is, that is as an <clears throat> entrepreneur, a solo entrepreneur who's building her business to help people uh, around being curious and, 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 and inquiring about the story of life, the story of our lives, the story of my life, of the life of others. It's truly a remarkable work. Keep up the great work. Thank you for continuing to contribute to this community and engaging in this conversation. It's really powerful. Namaste. Hey there, this is Greg and Amy Dixon. We're here sharing our thoughts on the conversation that Debbie Bridge started around pain and suffering. I'll just start initially just to kind of give a bit of an overview. I'm going to record this and then create this as a podcast, as an episode, because I think it's a really important topic. Our, the whole, this whole topic of pain and suffering is something I avoided probably until, probably until about 2013 when I started attending uh, teachings from a, a Buddhist teacher and you know and and buddha's fundamental assertion that life is suffering the very act of being born and then having to figure out how to survive and thrive is a form of pain and suffering it's a form of suffering and i think it's really interesting what debbie brought out in the conversation and i'm curious amy what um 
your observations or experiences are around pain and suffering or your thoughts or insights? Mm, I think I'm having a blonde moment. I can't think. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> Mine, um, I can recall this time about mm, 10 years ago when uh, I wasn't very happy with my body image and I used to um, uh, look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, oh, your butt's big or your butt's straight or your, your tummy's this, your tummy's that, you know, gravity's getting me, everything's going downhill from there, baby. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I would be mean to myself. And then I was thinking, you know, if I went up to another lady on the street and said to her, you know, lady, <laughs> your butt's big and gravity's getting you, <laughs> she'd deck me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I gave, I, um, attacked myself I gave myself pain and I suffered through it and it was all like the things that we say to ourselves. um I remember back you know when I was going through a divorce and very sad and you know I used to look in the mirror and say um Well, you're stupid, and I wish you were dead. Mm. And and then I started, somebody said to me, you know, because I had shared that with them, and they said, uh, would you say that to one of your children? Mm. You know, you're stupid, I wish you were dead. Right. I mean, how violent is that? Mm. And so when Debbie was talking about pain and suffering, um, this whole idea about suffering, um, I was violent to myself. And I needed to stay in that suffering mode for some reason or other. I was perpetuating some sort of tapes that came from um, my husband and my parents, all the, uh, the conditioning and the need to keep thinking that way. All those stories that life and people dropped into your consciousness. The stories, yeah. the projections, the judgments. And then we, we adopt that and take that on and own that. Then we begin feeding off of it. We begin chasing it and building it into this, this big thing. And it's, it's truly the, the really difficult part is that of this work. Whether you're doing the work with Byron Katie um, and with Debbie Bridge or you're doing your own work. It's a double-edged, it's a double-edged sword of awareness, because is a gift of awareness of the realization that, wow, I'm not my thoughts, and this isn't being, I'm not being very kind, and kind to myself right now. But it's also the liberation. That's the point of liberation. That's the point of choice. The point of power. Because the moment I let myself feel it. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of this year, I. I came to a realization, um, it took 10 years after the divorce, it came to the realization that um, that conditioning and that projections from my parents and the negative people in my life, um, they weren't my own. And I wanted to start listening to myself because they weren't serving me. And, and we're going to continue this in another recording. Okay. Okay, so we're back. So you were... Do you want to continue that? Well, yeah, I was just thinking about 
um, I had had it with the pain and suffering um, that I was uh, perpetuating on myself and things, mm. you know, it, it was just hindering me from having a good life and I just decided I was sick and tired of suffering. So I just dumped, dumped everything negative that was uh, attaching me my, to me, my thoughts, um, the stuff coming from my family, um, you know, that I'm not good enough. And I decided um, to stop the pain, which stopped the suffering, and the suffering stopped the pain, and it was like this little circle mm. um, instead of a spiraling down you know it kind of went Spiraling upwards up. yeah yeah with um, positive feedback and i started getting better and just not buying into the pain and i stopped believing the lies i was telling myself mm. and um but you know i would be very interested in uh hearing debbie's um point of view about another form of pain and suffering um something that's very close to home for me is uh, when somebody dies, a family member dies by violence. Um, my niece was murdered this year and it's a different kind of pain and suffering for my family. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, how do you tackle something like that? That's mm. a different kind of pain and suffering. Yeah, that's a big question and you know, thank you for asking that and being open about that. I think it'd be interesting to see what Debbie has to say, but I, for myself, the answer is the same. Whether it's, regardless of the circumstances, it's all about getting present and allowing myself to feel, to, to feel the grief, to feel the pain and the suffering, and to also re to to work, do the work to get to the place, to do the self-inquiry, the internal examination, but what it is that's troubling me about it. Why am I disturbed? And, you know, what, what part of this is true, what part of it isn't true? Because a lot of the pain and suffering and projections I've made in my life, most of it was not true. Like, I don't know, I, like a huge amount of my thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and projections, judgments, anger, frustration, all that stuff that I've turned out to not be actually true. I don't know. I, I can't wrap my uh, thoughts around that because okay. I can't imagine, like, my sister's daughter's dead. Right. And it's true. It, that, it, uh, that is absolutely true. The murderer is still walking around. Correct. The children are suffering. Um, yep. That's true. It is true. Quite true. And it's going to take her years and years, decades to get over it. Yeah, it's, I'm not trying to diminish it. You're right. I'm not saying it's not true. However, my reactions to it. So my reactions, you know, when my son got into trouble, uh, is I, 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 I took a lot of blame. I blame myself for what I did and what I didn't do as a father. Uh, and and I I took a lot of ownership around that, and I and and I made myself miserable, but I had to do the, I had to realize that, you know that I'm having a reaction to what he did, and it's a it's a it's a tragic thing that happened. There's no question about it. I think for me, um, I have this idea that, um, 
I have to be sad. I have to suffer. Um, oh. Because if I don't, wow. then I'm not... Um, it's as if her death isn't significant if I don't suffer. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Wow. Well, Debbie, this is a big topic. Sure hope you can weigh in. We'd love, love to hear more on this. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's a very difficult, a very difficult topic. I appreciate you being open, Amy, and, and sharing that, and uh, look forward to hearing Debbie's response. Anything else that you wanted to say? Just that, you know, bringing up these topics and the fact that I do tell people about it, it's because there's other people that are suffering with this. You betcha. Um, you know. I can really relate to what Amy was saying about grieving and about suffering. That if I didn't, you know, I I buried my whole family. My brother and sister and parents are, have buried them. And in that, in all of those experiences, there is this weird energy, this strange tension that I felt that that it was only right for me to suffer. It was only right for me to grieve and to, and to because if I didn't and I went on with life, did that mean that their life didn't matter? And it just, it really was, it really, it's almost like it hurt my brain to even think about the fact of moving on with life. And so I just, it, it was, it's a struggle. I don't know that I have the answers. How long do you suffer for? Um, in the old days, when somebody passed away, you know, they would, they would mm. wear black and they stayed home, they prayed, they mourned, they weren't really, it wasn't acceptable to go out to dinner parties or, you know, get, dress up for Halloween and go out and for spooktacular, or, you know, right. get on with life, celebrate Christmas without them. Um, yeah. And then I think about, you know, her presence. Hmm. Um, sure. Would she want us to be suffering? Would she want us to be unhappy? Um, but then would she be really angry if we were happy the next day, <laughs> you know, yeah. so what, you know, how do you just let go of it? I'm sure it's a process with any grieving wow. process, but this, um, topic of pain and suffering and, um, I don't know what more to say about it. Well, I mean, it, yeah, because there's, there's that clinging to the to her memory, right? Who she was, because you see, if if the person was alive, you know, if my parents and my and my siblings were alive, I'd be able to go and phone them and have an experience with them. I'd be able to see them and have meals with them, do things with them. I'd have that experience, but that's gone now. And so. I, I liked what Debbie said about mowing the lawn and, you know, wanting to call her dad to tell her that mow lawnmower isn't doing its job. And, you know, and then the fact that she could just say, you know, hey, dad, guess what? You know, the yeah. thing is not working again. And and I was thinking, you know, that's what they do with my niece. Um, mm. She's got her own Facebook page. And anytime anybody wants to talk to her and say, hey, guess what? You know, your daughter, you know, she passed English and she's doing really well or whatever. Mm -hmm. and 
Um, and everybody, all her family and friends, they do that, and they talk to her that way. Mm. And I even thought, you know, with our hand fasting next year, I don't know if this is going to go down, but, mm-hmm. you know, in some way wanting to have their presence there. Um, mm. You know, whether it's having something of hers there, um, I don't know if it's going too far to want her ashes there, mm-hmm. or something something that reminds me of her. Um so that she, right. the good things are in my memory, and I don't have to suffer. Um, I can enjoy the fact that she was alive and that we had, we had a great um, relationship. It's the only thing I can think of. You know, what I really liked about what Debbie said about being on the lawnmower. And, hey, Dad, the lawnmower is fixed. You know, immediately went to the thought, "Hey, Mom, I'm married. I'm happy." Thank you for sharing that, Debbie. You know, and so I just want to revisit this. You know, when I think of my parents, uh, Doris and Don, they loved life. They had fun. They enjoyed life. You know, my mom and dad had a, did a great job of showing what it is to be a loving couple and what it is to live life fully. And so... I've, I feel, I had, I struggled with uh, trying to honor their memory, but at the same time, the best way I can honor their memory is to live life fully, to be fully present and fully engaged with my life, and I know they'd be thrilled to hear that. So Amy, you had some further thoughts you wanted to share or talk about? Yeah, um, this whole thing about... uh, suffering the pain when uh, someone dies Um, in particular we're talking about Nicole um, Mm. dying from domestic violence Um, my sister you know we're talking about letting go of the suffering and the pain but I don't think that's a reality right now she has to pace herself and over a long period of time because those trials they're going to take a long time and you it's not just the trials is the stuff in between it's incredible right. it's incredible what she has to go through and the children boy you know those children they're suffering and she right. is raising those kids she's doing her best well, yeah she's doing a phenomenal job right um but wow how is she going to deal with the pain and suffering she's she's got to pace herself cuz and how is she going to do that you know, I, I, I know she's doing it and she's taking care of it. But, you know, from my perspective um, about me, um, it's almost like a technique for me yeah. <laughs> to, to, to uh, pace myself. One of the things I have been doing, though, is um, spending more time celebrating her memory um, right. rather yeah. than the loss of her. Like, mm. uh, she used to come to my place when she was younger and I tortured those kids. I made them dress up for Klondike days. <laughs> we would make our dresses, and we made our fans and our hats, and then I'd make them traipse around, you know, in them. And they loved it. She loved it. She just, she just ate it up. And you know, sending them to camps, and you went. She went horseback riding, and you know, the kids going caving and stuff like that. 
and you know her favorite music and her favorite food and her favorite decorations on her tree which by the way they're going to be pulling that out for the kids this christmas and stuff right um so it's it's about celebrating the good stuff and to continue um keeping my mind fixed on that because boy you know the next couple years are going to be a big job trying to get that guy into jail and right wow you know and you know the thing that uh, you know the overarching theme that as uh, that I've had to learn over the years is to be gentle with myself. Yeah. You talked about pacing yourself. I mean, really. I mean, uh, our, our lives get more complicated when stuff like this happens. Hey, you know what? I was just thinking when I talked about violence to myself. Um, you know how. My sister is trying to help those kids have a quality life right. and to get on. And she's trying to bring good things into their life and have them look forward to things and celebrate the things now. Um, maybe that's what we need to do. If we're going to do that for the kids, why can't we do that for ourselves? <laughs> because if we want to give things to the kids, how can we do that if we're not a fountain right. within? You know, So maybe it's not such a bad thing to give us give ourselves the um, the gift of uh, letting go, coming to terms with it. Because, I mean, she's helping the kids to do right. that. Why can't she help herself to... I'm not I'm not trying to tell her what to do. I'm just... I really feel for her. And I'm, I'm thinking really about myself things. here. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. With my yeah. own yeah. healing. Um, yeah. I want those kids to have a good life. I want those kids to f feel love again and... And you want to feel that something other than a deep, dark hole of grief. Yeah. You want to, so what you're saying is, how can we help ourselves to live now? Yeah. Just And not forget what happened. Even in the face of the continuation of the trials. Right. Trials and tribulations and challenges and... And, and, and triggers and things are going to happen. We're going to get triggered. Memories are going to get triggered. Things are going to happen. Uh, trials are going to come and go. You know, all that minutia uh, gives us the opportunity either to to and we the best thing we can do is to be present and be present in the now and do our best, our level best, to make the most of each moment in the now. And I think that that's what she would want. I know that I'm. I'm fairly certain that's what my parents and brothers and brother and sister would want for me, is to make the most of the now and live life fully. I was just thinking about and my sister. Out of time. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> okay. Bye. You know, Amy's got an interesting perspective here on. It's a really interesting idea about how to cope with loss and grief, loss of someone. Do you want to share that, Amy? Well, yeah, um, I had just finished talking about uh, keeping the memory alive of what she did like, like her Christmas decorations or her music or whatever, but taking that to a different level now, moving up one step level, um, one level up, um, what would she like now, her presence, if it's with us now, what would she like? For instance, um, I don't know what's with Nicole, but she liked popcorn. She collected popcorn, and all the kernels ended up going to my sister. And 
she was thinking, you know, what would Nicole say to me right now? And you know what it is? She would say, Mom, what are you going to do with all that popcorn? That's what she would say, <laughs> right? Come on, right. Mom, what's with the popcorn? And other stuff like, you know, Delilah might hear a new song and like this song and say, hey, you know, I bet Nicole would like that. Right. So so to refer to them in the present moment. Yeah. As, as being present. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. I mean, yeah. Hmm. You can give her a gift at Christmas time mm. um, by making a special dish for her children. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You know, or giving them something that mom, their mommy would have given them. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And then at the same time, you know, giving us, giving ourselves the gift, giving ourselves the gift of, um, recognizing that even though the person in their physicality is gone their influence and impact in our life is ongoing yeah and is now and because i i'm the culmination of every experience in my life including the sad ones yeah you know what i'm going to do this christmas i'm going to buy a Christmas decoration for Nicole. Mm, nice. I'm going to buy her gift and I'm going to put it on our tree. Huh. Nice idea. Mm. I just might have to copy that idea <laughs> about my family. Hmm. Wonderful. Love you. Love you more. <laughs> this particular segment that follows I recorded about 17, 18 days ago, but I think it wraps up nicely how to change our point of view whether it's grief or trauma or whether it's uh, pain or suffering whatever it might be but the words we choose and how we talk to ourselves directly affects how we feel and what our experience is so give it a listen let me know what you think good evening i just wanted to thank debbie bridge for the inspiration for this post so over on facebook when i posted the, my video of this recording uh, just previous to this one where I said be careful who you listen to well Debbie came back and said oh yes I'm reminded be careful who I listen to and be careful of listening to myself so we all have self-talk going on we all have a thought life that's taking place throughout the day and my suggestion is that we develop an awareness of your thought life. And if you have toxic sludge or negative uh, ninnies uh, chattering away, you're having arguments with people in your mind or you're upset or you're just feeling negative about things, you know, just shed that sludge of judgment, fear and shame and blame anger and instead switch to taking 100% responsibility for your words actions and results because if you don't like the results simply change your words you know use new words to change your actions 
And so keep at it. Keep taking action until you arrive at your destination. If you just keep starting and starting and starting to take action, and you just keep starting and starting, you can't help but change your path, your direction, and your speed. So just remember, every single human on the planet at some point in their lives has been toxic and unlovable. We've all had dark, discouraging periods, and we each have the same opportunity to choose to be toxic or choose to be hopeful, faithful, and loving. There is always a loving response or a toxic response. You decide. Choose wisely. <laughs>